such a way that to disbelieve or disobey any word of Scripture is to disbelieve or disobey God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul goes on to tell Timothy these words that we all should know and have committed to our heart. He says, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. The Bible is written to encourage us. The Bible is written to make us competent, to equip us for the ministry that God has for us here. The Bible is 66 books that were written by around 40 men over a course of about 1,500 years. And here is what it is all about. The great theme of the Bible is the redemption of humanity through the life, death, and resurrection of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. It was God's plan before creation. It's God's plan for us today. It is God's plan that is lived out and breathed out in, in our churches and through our testimony each and every day as we live for the Lord. Jesus gave these thoughts as he said these words to Satan in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 4, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, did he, did he say some of the words that proceed from the mouth of God are the words that you like and the words that you pick and choose? He said every word that proceeds from the mouth of God are the words that we should live by in this life as we go and live for the Lord. So we see the Bible's motivation, the believer's motivation, and then we see the believer's manner. How should we go about our task of studying the Bible? The, uh, we are to be workers who do not need to be ashamed. We are to be workers who do not need to be ashamed. That means we got to study. That means we have to study God's Word. Now, when I say study, some of you automatically think that's hard work. Because you studied in school, and, and you automatically equate it to the study that you may have done in school. I can remember when I first got to college at Jacksonville State University, and I can remember being in classes with all kind of people from around our county and around North Alabama, and I can remember we would get exams back, and some of those people, it was the first time that they'd obviously ever made a bad grade. I didn't freak out. I'd done it before. But I would see those people, and they would, they would talk about, I didn't know this was going to be on the test, and I didn't understand why this is on the, and I don't understand how this, how this works. And I, it became apparent to me that they didn't know how to study. They didn't know how to sit down and put the work uh, that they had been given and put it in study to take a test. And I realized how grateful I was because I had Carol Wilson for biology, I had Aaron Dempsey for algebra, and I had Dina Lane for history and economics and world government. I knew how to study. I knew, I knew how to study. Kelly's agreeing with me because she had those same three teachers. I knew what it was to sit down in the evening and study and to, and to, and to, and to give it, uh, everything you had because if you got in there and you hadn't studied, you were done for. Now, sometimes that study... In that context, sometimes that study resulted in a good grade. Sometimes that study resulted in disappointment. But I want to tell you this about studying the Bible. There's never been a time where I spent, there's never been any 
time where I spent serious time in Bible study that wasn't fruitful. Sometimes it has encouraged me. Sometimes that time has convicted me. But every single time, it has lined me up more correctly with God. And I have known more about what God has intended for me in my life. Paul reminded the believers at Ephesus to equip themselves for the work of ministry. To equip themselves for the work of ministry. How much time have you put into studying the Bible this week? I'm grateful to know that I had a Sunday school teacher this morning who talked to me in between Sunday school and worship service and had a conversation with me about the Sunday school lesson that they had in Sunday school this morning. And, and, and the context of that message is, is what used to be veiled Calvinism in, in our literature has now just become pretty much bold Calvinism that you can just about plainly see. And I'm glad to know that I have a Sunday school teacher who studies the Bible so much and so intently that they can see through something that, that we don't believe. Now you're saying, you're, you're saying that something in our Sunday school literature we shouldn't have believed? Study your Bible. Know your Bible. And know that there are people who write literature sometimes who have a belief that, it, that in, in a five-point Calvinist belief that says that some people are predestined to, to go to heaven and some people aren't. And you have to know and understand your Bible to be able to see those things and to see those things clearly. Amen? Amen. You, you've got to know, you've got to understand, and you've got to be able to read and study your Bible. And I'm glad that someone was able to point that out this morning because it, the, the lesson was from Ephesians. And Paul reminded the believers at Ephesus to equip themselves for the work of ministry. You know, we have a blueprint for ministry. If you want to see how ministry should be done in a church, go to Acts chapter 2 and read verses 41 through 47, and it gives you a definite blueprint for how to do ministry and how that we should do church and how that church should be done. And I know that none of the people there in that, in that church were Baptists because there was not one committee meeting mentioned. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that later. Listen, a dedicated believer will devote themselves to the wholehearted study of God's Word. If we're dedicated believers, we will take the time that, it, it, that, that we have to apply to show ourselves approved by the study of God's Word. Isaiah said this in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It will never change and it will always stand. And then we see the believer's message. All that we do with Scripture is to lead us to the point where we rightly handle God's word. What does it mean to rightly handle God's word? It means this, we should approach the Bible with a deep reverence, never mishandling or misrepresenting God's truth. Rightly handling the word of truth is a very serious assignment that we have from the Lord. I can remember as a youth minister, and I would have groups of, of students, and I would teach something on a Sunday evening or Wednesday evening, and either on Wednesday or Sunday uh, of the following week, those students might would come back, and they may have discussed this subject with somebody at home. And I can remember one of those subjects was was uh, 
sexual immorality. And one of those students came back to me uh, the next week in our group sitting and said, but mama said, but mama said, and then she told me what mama said that was completely different from what I had taught the week before. And I just kind of said, well, the Bible says in Paul's letter to Corinth, to the Corinthians, that we should flee that type of immorality. And I gave her the verse and said, you need to read that verse. I can remember leading a 14 or 15-year-old girl to the Lord in our student ministry. And she was so excited about baptism. And she couldn't wait to be baptized. And I, was, I sent her home some information to give to her family about baptism. And I was going to set up an appointment to go and sit down with that family and talk to them about baptism. And she came back the next week and she said, but grandmama said, I'm not ready. Grandmama said, I'm not ready to be baptized. And I didn't want to do anything to get in, in, in a mix with the family. And I said, well, we're going to pray for grandmama, and we're going to pray that she'll, she'll allow you to be baptized. Well, what does the Bible say about baptism? Baptism is, was so important that Jesus walked 70 miles to go and be baptized. The Bible says that uh, at Jesus preached, uh, John the Baptist was preaching, repent and be baptized. In that early church, they were preaching, repent and be baptized. See, these, uh, it, it's not what mama said. It's not what grandmama said. What does the Bible say? One of my former students who is uh, go, attending a, a, a real large church, and she went to the uh, small group there for the first time. She, she joined a small group. And when she questioned the person who was the lifestyle of the person who was leading the small group study, when she questioned their lifestyle, she was told this. Well, King James, who wrote the Bible, now there's your first now. King James, who wrote the Bible, lived this same lifestyle. Now, King James didn't write the Bible. King James took the information that was available to him, the, 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 the texts that were available to him, and he had it, uh, you know. So there's number, strike number one. And then, then she was told this. You know, you have to consider that those scriptures, that those things were written 2,000 years ago, and life has changed dramatically, and, and maybe that doesn't all that apply. And you have to, and, and then she was told this. Paul gave, he said that this was wrong in Corinthian, to the Corinthians, but he didn't include it in his letter to the Galatians, so maybe he changed his mind. And that, that blows my mind, that people are, they are attracted by the attractiveness of the smoke and mirrors and, and, the, and all the bells and whistles, and then they're put into a, a the small group where they're taught that, well, you know, there are parts of the Bible that we, we, we might could just ignore. And, might not, you know, that, didn't, that was written a long time ago, and times have changed, so maybe that doesn't apply to us. It's not what God said. That's not what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3 and 16. He said that all of it was breathed by the Holy Spirit. Every word of it was breathed by the Holy Spirit 
to by through the author that it was written by and i'm going to tell you this god never changes his character god's character has not changed from the moment in genesis chapter 1 verse 1 where it says in the beginning to there in revelation chapter 22 when it says uh, come quickly lord jesus nowhere in between did god change his character and nowhere in between did god's did, did god's standard change and nowhere in between did god's message and word change and here's here's what i'm telling you this morning and I, I want you to hear this you may say that i sit down with this and i don't understand it and i sit down with this and and i pray over it pray and ask the holy spirit to help you understand it if you need help come see me i will i will do my very best to help you to understand what you're reading and i know other people who can help you to understand but the important part is we live as paul is telling this church as, as paul is telling timothy all this information you have to be aware that people are teaching falsehood and people are, are mixing lies in with the truth of the gospel and you have to understand you have to be able to understand that i'm telling you that two thousand years later it is just as important timothy was a pastor but it is just as important for you who are sitting on a pew to know and understand god's word because you have children and grandchildren who are coming along who you need to be able to take them and when the world tells them a lie that is uh, against that is contrary to god's word you need to be able to be the one who sits and explains it to them and to tell them the truth of god's word now our message as a christian our message should always be centered on god's holy word as a christian ever my uh, my opinion about the world and my opinion about what's going on in the world is not nearly as important as what god's word says about the world and what's going on in the world we are god's workers we are god's ambassadors here and this is what we go by and how we live now someday as i said according to second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 we are we will either be approved or ashamed when we stand before him we will be we will either be approved in how we lived for for god and how we lived according to his word or we will face shame standing there before him and our high calling and awesome task is this is to do your best to present yourself to god as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth you know what's most important what's most important is that this is about jesus this is about jesus everything here is about jesus all of these all of these pages up until matthew all of what we see here in this old testament is important because it is explaining god's law and it's, it is also given the prophecies of how Jesus, a Messiah, is going to come to be able to fulfill that law because we weren't able to. And then everything on this side is either about how Jesus lived and how Jesus died and how Jesus was resurrected, or it is about how the church should be living 
in light of what Jesus did for us. Every single page of this is important. Every single page of it is important. I don't know everything here. Someday I will. But I know enough to know what's true, and I know enough to know what's false and perverted. And I know this, that God fulfilled everything in this Bible through Jesus. Everything. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, as we close this morning, says this. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. There was a time, there was a perfect time where God sent Jesus here, when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to fulfill everything that was on this side because we can't. And Jesus came, and he was born of a virgin, and he lived under this law. And what's important about that is this. Not only did he live under that law, but he fulfilled every piece of it perfectly, and he was the only person sinless who could go to a cross and, and take your sins with him. And he took his sins upon you there on that cross. He was murdered. He was buried but then he was resurrected. And that's the great message of this, of this, as succinctly as it can be conveyed, is that Jesus came, Jesus took your sins, he died on a cross, and now he's in heaven, and he offers forgiveness to you. I spoke to somebody Friday, and we were talking about salvation, and we were talking about um, how difficult some people make it, and she said, Michael, it's a free gift, and it's just as simple as reaching and taking that gift from God. And that's how easy it is. Darren's coming this morning. God's Holy Spirit may, may be speaking to you through the words of, of his scripture, and he may be this morning doing the most important thing that he does this morning and pointing you to Jesus and showing you that Jesus is the answer for everything in your life. Jesus is the answer for the sin in your life. Jesus is the answer for the guilt in your life. Jesus is the answer for you to be able to have eternal life in heaven someday. And that's what I want to give you the opportunity for this morning, is to take God's word and to understand that it's about Jesus dying for you and offering you forgiveness. Let's pray as we stand.